I also want to give a few uh, words and uh, you know the Buddha basing ceremony which we're gonna do now and it's done in all you know the monasteries in Thailand and, and Southeast Asia and also you said in your tradition you do it too mm -hmm. but you do it in April mm -hmm. yeah Eighth, is it eighth? Yes. Eighth of April, mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, in some way you could say that this uh, ceremony symbolizes the essence of the path because, you know, one way how we can express the practices, you know, that there's many different uh, methods to purify the mind so that the, you know, the essence of the mind, which is, you know, pure awareness, is, is laid bare and... You know, having Buddha images is a way how we can remember, you know, that we all have that potential within ourselves and exactly the same potential as the Buddha had. And, uh, you know, we just need to develop that very strong confidence and conviction that we can do it too because, of course, the path, you know, is can be very rocky at times. And then having little ceremonies like that and having Buddha images and images of Kuan Yin and Prajna Paramita, they just help us, you know, to remember that we have that same potential. And if we start practicing and if we don't stop at one point, you know, that we will have completely laid that potential bare. And the Buddha basing ceremony is like a way of symbolizing the purification process, you know, taking some water and then pouring it over the Buddha and uh, cleaning and the meditation practice and you know the teachings and all of the different skillful means like the precepts and the monastic form and all of that is all here to support that process you know to help us to stay steady and to not kind of spill the beans in the process but keep it kind of keep it together and, um, you know, taking refuge in the Buddha is taking refuge in this potential which we all have. And it doesn't, you know, protect us from having problems in our life, but it gives us tools to meet with those problems and to use obstacles as, as a food, you know, for practice and to use obstacles as a sharpening stones to develop wisdom and compassion, you know, to use the so-called five hindrances, you probably have heard of those, you know, use them to develop the seven factors of enlightenment, but just, you know, simply using what's here in the present moment and, you know, setting up mindfulness and through that, you know, the obstacles or the kind of afflictive mind states, you know, become uh, information, you know, which we can penetrate into. And then those three characteristics Anandabodhi was mentioning, for example, they become apparent, you know. And, you know, having images like these around our life, you know, they can really help us to, to remember that that we all have that same potential. And I brought a beautiful sentence here, which encapsulates this very well. You know, with practice, we recognize in ourselves the very Buddha in whom we take refuge. So in the beginning, you know, we, we need to have external images to, to remind us, because in the beginning, you know, we are walking, you know, quite unsteady, because, you know, our 
practice our faith is not that strong maybe yet and our understanding but then you know if we keep on going then we become more and more conscious you know that we actually that the real buddha is here you know and it's i think it's very skillful to use external images but if we kind of um, do not internalize that you know over time then the practice won't be really successful because then we don't have that you know strength of mind to be self-reliant enough to have the courage to stay open with experience and you know the buddha he was in the beginning you know he had got a lot of information and learning from his father who had a certain ideas you know how he wanted his life to be so he gave him a lot of um, beautiful things a lot of um, luxurious surroundings and he had a very privileged upbringing and then at one point he you know he escaped that um, protective container and then he saw uh, sights he had never really consciously seen before like sick people um, old person uh, a dead person and then he realized you know that this will also happen to him and that was a very strong motivation for him to to seek the truth and then he he left that environment and started with a few different teachers but that also really didn't satisfy his search because he had this very strong intuition that there was more which could be realized so at one point you know he had to leave all of his um, previous teachers behind and had to really rely on his own strength and and then he realized you know the teaching which is still um, very well practiced in many countries and is very successful here in the west now there are so many books written about that and you know in essence it's just about re realizing that we have the same potential as him and if we keep on you know looking that which is is a uh, uh, what's the word here yeah? which is hiding you know the potential uh, then we start to kind of one layer at a time you know let go of those different ways of distorting that pure awareness you know which is a mirror-like awareness which just reflects back what is here without any extra story to it in terms of wanting or not wanting good and bad and all of that there's surely, you know, we can surely experience pleasant, unpleasant and neutral, but that has nothing to do with good and bad. And this is, you know, our biggest problem, I think, as human beings is that we usually think, you know, unpleasant is bad and pleasant is good. But in reality, I think if you look back on your life, and certainly if I look back onto my life, I have learned a lot from unpleasant experiences myself, more than from pleasant ones. And I thought they were bad, you know, but when I look back onto my life now, they were often really very powerful turning points. And they, as I said, they were bad when I was experienced. And when I look back now, I think they were really good, you know. They were really very important. So I think to remember that, you know, 
when it, the going gets tough that it might look it's bad but maybe it's not true you know in the big picture so the buddha's teaching is like a you know helping us to to um situate our experience in a bigger context and then you know not take it all so personally and sometimes it's difficult to do it in the moment i agree very difficult but then at least you know we can uh, do it afterwards and then we might feel maybe some regret or feeling uneasy about it but this is how it starts you know and then we get quicker and quicker you know of recalling the bigger picture and then there's more and more capacity to let go and then our own buddha you know inside becomes more and more kind of into the foreground and and is more and more uh, um it takes man you know more and more takes the the primal seat in our life and we are not anymore so easily carried away and the ceremony today is just a way of of making that um determination again you know we we really want to use this lifetime to lay bare this potential we all have and when you you know put the three spoons of water over the buddha you can just kind of in within your heart you know just again you know make a very clear statement this is what you like to do and if you do it on a special day like that and we do it all together then it has a has more power you know and this is what rituals are here for they are you know they are kind of a skillful means for transforming energy and skillful means for you know giving encouragement and they don't have any other magic uh, properties or anything like this <laughs> this is magic enough so okay we can do it then no?